It is truly a day of celebration as we witness our brothers being baptized into the church or join our church by, by a statement. Um, it is also a windy day. So that's why we don't have the umbrella in case it gets blown away. So those who have umbrella next to your car, um, when a gust of wind comes, you do have to hold on to it, especially those who are under the tent um, before it gets blown away. And it is also a hot day. So I really want to encourage you not to get heat stroke. Uh, wind down the window of your car if you are sitting inside your car and make sure the ventilation is good and the temperatures in the car is not going up. The mercury is going up. You know, so be, be watchful for that. And, and for those who are, who've try to find a, a shelter or shaded area, you can always go to the courtyard, especially if you have young children. Uh, we don't want, to get, uh, want them to get heat stroke. So do, do pay attention to that. Drink a lot of water, uh, uh, either in the courtyard or the breezeway. Just put up a chair there, and you'll be able to hear and see the, the whole worship going on uh, during the sermon time as well. So do pay attention to that. So I'm holding on to my note here constantly before my manuscripts get blown away. If it gets blown away, then we have a shorter worship. And I know what you are praying for. Huh? No, 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 no. You, you wouldn't do that. I know that you are all together in the Sermon of God. Okay? Um, you know, every, every good thing has the potential to be corrupted. And it is usually not the good thing that corrupts itself, but it is the user that corrupts that good thing. And today... We are addressing the abuse of the Holy Communion in the church in Corinth. And the Corinthians Christians are the users, and they did not do it right. And therefore, they corrupt the whole Holy Communion in their community to the point where Paul is addressing that issue uh, today. You know, think about this. You know, even as a church, FCBC Walnut, as we observe the Holy Communion once a month, so 12 times a year, if we do not do it right, we are wrong 12 times a year. And if you've been a Christian for 10 years, 120 times we did it wrong when we observe the Holy Communion. So it is something kind of a serious thing. So today, even as we look at the Corinthian church, we also reflect on ourselves and how we can be a part of the corrected uh, way of uh, observing the communions together. Okay, so my topic today is Holy Communion in an Unholy Community. And that's the first Corinthian uh, church that we talk about. Now, first of all, I want to share with you the first point, a love feast that was unloving. A love feast that was unloving. In chapter 11 of first Corinthian, verses 17 to 22, let me read to you, 17 to 22. But in the following instructions, I do not comment you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you came together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one of you goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I comment you in this? No, I will not. You know, you remember last week when we expounded on the, the, the covering of head for the women as they participate in the public worship. Uh, in verse 2, Paul was commenting the church and saying that now I comment you because you remember me in everything that maintained the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. And now, 
the whole tone of voice changed drastically. So the issue must be pervasive. The issue must be serious that warrant Paul to change his tone of voice. So their failure was not because they did not observe the Holy Communion. But when they come together to observe the Holy Communion, they acted like an unholy community, causing divisions in the church. Verse 18 says that, you know, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe in part. We remember in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, the divisions was because they were coming after, following after the gifted preachers. And then they make comparison, causing rivalry and competition among brothers and sisters in the church. Now, what kind of a division is this? Now, this is a division of the rich and poor divides. And that's very sad that happened in the church in Corinth. Paul says, I believe in part because whoever confided in Paul has given sufficient details about the abuse to be concrete, enough for him to begin to address that issue. But you know what? Even in the midst of dire situations, something good might come out of that. So in verse 19, he says, uh, verse 20, he says, when you come together, it is, uh, verse 19 says, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. The positive aspect of division, if there's anything positive, is that it reveals those who are faithful and trustworthy and those who are not. Because within the divisions, it exposes your character that is underlying. So it helps in that sense, even though it is painful and difficult. And Paul has to address that. And he says that, you know, in verse 20, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. It is not like the Lord's Supper when there is social discrimination within the church of Jesus Christ, especially when you come together for the love feast that leads to the Holy Communion that, that actually symbolizes the unity, the unity in Christ, and yet you are divided among the rich and the poor. So what actually happened in the church? In verse 21 says, For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. So this is a likely scenario of what happened in the church in Corinth. The well-to-do minorities of the church, they were able to arrive early, and, and they brought their own fine cuisine. It could be filet mignon or lobster, and they are not sharing. They brought it themselves. They liked it. So they were able to occupy the private dining room because they came early and they ate first, not waiting for the others. And the blue collar, the working class majority of the church who usually can't get off their work early, so they usually are late for those meetings. So by the time they arrive, they have to sit in a courtyard or the atrium, probably eating their peanut butter sandwiches. And they were not able to share with the rest of the community, which the love feast is supposed to do. We come and share our lives together. You remember in Acts chapter 2, in the first church who came together, they share everything and they continue their tradition in the show of solidarity against persecutions uh, and forces and, and opposing forces uh, upon the church. And when they come together and they're not sharing, they defeat the whole purpose 
So the result is that the well-to-do became drunk and the blue-collars starved. The minority has too much, while the majorities did not have enough. And, and in verse 22, Paul, in exasperation, cried out, What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Shall I comment you? He said, nope, I will not. There's no reason that I can comment you, but you, you deserve to be reprimanded during this time. You know, you can't help but at this time reflect on what happened. Why has the church in Corinth fallen so low? Because they are so resourceful. Because they were so, so gifted in so many areas. And they are prominent members in the church. Why do they have to fall so low in their expression of love and the community? I think it begins clearly stated in verse 22 that it begins with the despised of the church of God. He says, do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? When you despise the church of God, that's brothers and sisters in the church, you are despising God. Just like when Jesus said to Saul, as he was on the way, on Damascus, to capture more Christians and put them into the prison. And when the light shone on them, he fell off, and Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When you touch the church of Jesus Christ, you touch the Lord. You touch the hearts of the Lord. When you despise God, you despise those who follow Jesus. When you despise God, it is easier for you to be hard, for you to be cold on those who follow Jesus. So naturally, it is being manifested to the less fortunate in the church, in the church of Corinth. When you despise the head of a household, it makes it easier for you to humiliate the rest of the members of that household. You know, it is a great reminder for us today that even as we show disrespect for one another, if we sh if, even as we express our displeasure with weaker brothers or sisters or with weaker members of the church, before you have done that, you have despised the Lord. You don't take Him seriously. You don't take the church seriously. And therefore, the following up actions naturally would be you would be disrespectful of your brothers and sisters in the church. And to correct that improper practice, Paul points them back to the Holy Communion that Jesus has instituted on the day he was betrayed. He set up the standard and said, this is the way. And, and when the Holy Communion is being expressed and, and being taught in the right way, then we know how far have we fallen. So the second point of the sermon is the Holy Communion as the Lord intended. In verses 23 to 26, a, a very familiar passage that we often read during our monthly communion time and expound it, explain it shortly. And verses 23 to 26 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, even as I read this original, the first Holy Communion that the Lord instituted, you can see a striking contrast with what the Corinthians' behavior has been in their love feast that leads toward the Holy Communion. Paul says, I received and I delivered. And this is the oral tradition that they heard Jesus' word in his institution of the First Communion, and then they passed on the word verbatim, as Jesus said, on the night he was betrayed. And that's the night when Jesus was arrested and crucified for us. And then he took the bread and said, This is my body for you. Take in remembrance of me. Then that bread represents Jesus' physical body. It, it is being offered as a sacrifice to atone for our sins. So each time as we come together, in fact, next week is the Communion Sunday. As we come together and eat the bread, we remember his death and acted in ways consistent with Jesus' sacrifice and grace on our behalf, something that we don't deserve. And we learn how to also extend grace to others around us. And after the supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink whenever you come together in remembrance of me. That cup represents Christ's blood shed for us in his substitutional death on the cross so that we may, he, we may be reconciled with God the Father and he inaugurated the new covenant. The new covenant is based on faith in the shed blood of Christ to take away sin, not the repeated sacrifices that was done in the Old Testament. Now it's the New Testament that Jesus has ushered into us today because Jesus is the Holy Lamb of God. His one time, just one time sacrifice is sufficient to atone for the sins of all those who believe in Him. And both times He said, in remembrance of me. You do all this in remembrance of me. And how do you remember Jesus when you come together and observe the Holy Communion? I think four things that you can do to remember. First of all, by repeating it. Because in the following verse, Jesus said, you observe it until I return. Until the second return of Christ. Keep doing that. Some churches do it every week. We do it once a month, but keep doing it until he returns. When you keep doing it, when you repeat it, you remember. Secondly, seeing it. When you see the elements that represent Christ's body, the bread, when you see the elements of the cup, the grape juice or the grape wine, that represent the bloodshed of, of Christ on the cross, you remember because seeing is believing leaves a deep impression in your mind. So repeating it and seeing it, and thirdly, you do it together. So when you gather together, the Bible says, and observe the love feast that leads to the Holy Communion, when we see each other, 
when we lean on each other, this community of believers remind us of the salvation that we have in Christ through the substitutional death that Jesus has offered on the cross to atone our sins and to reconcile us with God the Father. We remember because we see each other. One of the sufferings that we experienced in the past 12 months was that we were not able to see each other more frequently. We were able to see each other on Zoom. We were able to see each other now in, the, in, in outdoor. But before that, we were not able to see each other in person more. And, and in some ways, you know, that affects our spiritual uh, life, our relationship with Christ and with each other. Getting together is very powerful. And, and that's why we are calling our people to come back together because it adds another layers. It adds another depth in our relationship with each other. And with that, we are being revived in our relationship with God. So repeating it, seeing it, doing it together, and engaging, engaging the whole process because we take the bread and we eat and we take the cup and we drink. We taste it by engaging the whole process. It adds on the memories in our hearts and in our mind as well. We remember the Lord by repeating it, by seeing it, by doing it together, and by participating, engaging the whole process. Michael Green, an author who has written a book on the cross of Jesus, reminds us that there are good, that there are six theologies expressed in this passage about the Holy Communion. One is we look back. We look back at Christ's death. Secondly, we look in, inside, in self-examination and make sure our relationship with God is right. And thirdly, we look up in our worship and fellowship with God. And fourthly, we look around. That's you and me, one another, as we come together in worship, as we come together to observe the Holy Communion. And then we look forward. We look forward to the second coming of Christ. And then we look outward, outside the four walls of the church, proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, His resurrection, his ascension, and his second return. We proclaim the gospel by going outside the four walls of the church. The six theologies that is so helpful to, to show the richness of the teaching about the Holy Communion. So next week, as you come together, I hope that when you look at the Holy Communion, it's not just Jesus' death and his return, but inward, upward, all around, forward, and outward. That's how rich it is for the Holy Communion to be observed in our church. Now, this is the main thrust of the passage because Paul is setting a standard. This is how the Lord did it, and it is being passed on to us. And because of that, that becomes a standard for us to correct whatever wrongs that we have done, whatever inadequate efforts that we have done so that we can be as close to the original one as possible. That is the standard that he established. So with that, in the last passage, in verses 27 to 34, my third point to you is the corrections needed for the Holy Communion. There are two areas. 
two areas of area, uh, things that need to be corrected. Verse 27 and all the way down. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, you will not be for judgment. About the other thing, I will give directions when I come. Two areas of corrections that is needed in the church of Corinth. First of all, they need to discern the body. Otherwise, they'll be eating and drinking judgment. And secondly, they need to learn how to wait for one another. The first one is about the relationship with God. Be right with God. The second one is about relationship with one another. Wait for each other. In verse 27, he says, uh, if we observe the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, we'll be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Who are the ones Doing, who were the ones who were unworthy, uh, observing the communions in an unworthy manner? Well, it, it refers to those who despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing. And those, they are guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So in light of the body and blood of Christ, in light of Jesus' crucifixion and its significance, Paul was exhorting the Corinthians that you should not be eating and drinking selfishly. Instead, you should be sharing with one another and partake in moderations and not get drunk. Do not do it in an unworthy manner. And one way to do it is you need to examine yourself. So verse 28 says, like a person examining himself, then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The word examine just means test and find approval. Be tested and pass the exam. So if their behaviors towards other Christians is appropriate, then they qualify to participate themselves. And that's why sometimes as we call you to examine yourselves in a holy communion for our church, we, we were doing the same thing to remind you, are you right with one another? And some who were convicted by the Holy Spirit will pass that Holy Communion and, and, and have to find time to, to deal with relational issues with other people before they can come back and reinstate their relationship uh, in terms of observing the Holy Communion. So examine yourself. So when we call you to examine yourself, for the Holy Communion, it is a serious matter. Otherwise, it says that we may incur judgment upon ourselves. Verse 29 says, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. What is discerning the body? It's the same thing as saying it's unworthy manner. It is the same thing as saying one goes hungry, another gets drunk. 
you were not caring for one another and observed the communion. It is not acceptable. It is not discerning the body. The body here is talking about the church, the body of Christ. Of course, it can point to the body of Jesus Christ, His atoning death. But it, it tends to focus on the body of Christ, I believe. That we do need to care for one another as we observe the Holy Communion. In the Holy Communion, it is not just vertical relationship with God. But horizontally, it is as essential, as important in the way we examine ourselves. And because of that, the judgment came upon the church in Corinth. In verse 30, he says, That's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. It is a serious matter. That's why we need to examine ourselves. It is very serious. Paul was able to discern that in the church in Corinth, those who were weak and ill, many of them were because of their abuse of the Holy Communion, and some even died because they abused the Holy Communion. And we don't want to fall into the discipline and the judgment of Christ as we come together. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. So he was calling us to monitor our own behavior before we come and observe the communion to avoid such tragedy of getting sickness and death. Verse 32, it is not a sad ending, but those but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So even those who died because they abused the Holy Communion for their actions, they are not condemned. See, the purpose of discipline from the Lord is for restoration, is to bring us back to God, is to be right with God again, is to repent. That's the whole purpose of the discipline. So even though... Some may even die because of God's discipline. They are not losing their salvation. They are not being condemned. They are still right with God. And, and what corrections do we need in our church as we observe the Holy Communion? You know, it is so far distance to relate to the church in Corinth, like waiting for one another, you know, uh, sharing the food. To us as a middle-class Americans, most of us are, living in the suburban here, it's, it, it doesn't address that. What are the, the things, what are the corrections our church need as we prepare ourselves to come together for the Holy Communion? Could it be that it is the attitude, the attitude towards one another, the attitude towards the less fortunate, or the attitude towards those whom we disagree are we able to reconcile that differences? Are we able to be loving enough and gracious enough to forgive, to reconcile, to come together? Could that be the issues that we need to deal with as a church? What do you mean by waiting for one another? It's, it's not about the, the food as a middle-class Americans. Maybe it's more about waiting for one another to accept our proposals and not be too gung-ho about that and not be too hasty. Maybe it is waiting for other people to understand our new initiatives or strategies so that we can wait for each other and journey together because we go further when we journey together. Towards the end, he reminded the Christians, in a very plain language. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Show kindness. 
Show sensitivity to one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. When you have ulcer issues, when you can't go hungry for long and you'll be low in sugar and you will faint, be prepared. Be prepared and eat first and eat a little bit so that when you come together, you are able to wait as an as a statement to those who are less fortunate, who has less, uh, who are less well-to-do, that they are being considered, that they are being included, that they are a part of the community. For the sake of those, you are willing to go the extra mile to prepare yourselves for that. And Paul was giving that instructions to the church in Corinth. And I believe, as a church in in city of Walnut in Los Angeles area. There's something that we can also reflect together to guide us and to remind us. So the message is when we extend our love to one another and observe the church ordinance as Christ intended, it pleases the Lord and it blesses the body of Christ. When we do it right, when we observe the Holy Communion as Christ intended, we pleases the Lord, we honors the Lord, we also bless the body of Christ. And that would be such a beautiful expression of the community that we all experience today. Let me conclude with two reminders. First of all, the Bible leaves the specifics of the Holy Communion out. We are reminded to observe. We are reminded of the meaning of the cup and the bread. We are reminded to do it regularly until He comes. But the specifics are maybe purposefully left out for the sake of the local churches to decide on their own like the frequencies, once a week or once a month or every quarter, that leaves up to the local church to decide. The, the qualification of participants. In our church, we want to make sure that you are baptized because of the seriousness of observing the Holy Communion that we need to examine ourselves. Other churches do not have that requirement. Uh, some would only allow the pastors, the ordained pastors, to officiate the Holy Communion, or licensed preachers. Others, you know, the, the licensed officials uh, will be able to do that. Other churches, they allow others to do that. Uh, the elements can be uh, um, bread, can be even cookies. Uh, the element can be grape juice or grape wine. The elements can be just one loaf and everybody share. Or a small wafer that we all can pick up, or we've been doing that for the pre-packed kind of a communion elements. Uh, churches are doing that in very different ways. Some using unleavened bread, others, it was okay to use leaven as well because that's most available to them. You know, I think the, the guiding principle is we try to get as close to the original intention as possible. We try to get as close to what Christ has demonstrated as close as possible, but we are not going to be dogmatic about that. Secondly, I want to remind you and myself that let's not just show up for the Holy Communion. You know, Holy Communion is more than just show up. It is important to show up, but it is as important that we will be transformed in our relationship with God and with each other every time when we come together to observe the Holy Communion. See, God sees us holistically, inside and outside. 
before communion and after communion. He sees us pre-communion, during the communion, and post-communion. And as you uh, recall, as you recall Paul's teaching to the church in Corinth, he cares about that relationship with people. So it is not just vertically, but horizontally, it is as essential when we come together to observe the Lord's Supper. So prepare yourself for next week's communion and do it right so that when we come together, it will be for the glory of God and it will be a blessing to one another. Let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful for a reminder, even though we feel that we, we are doing it right, but it is always good to examine ourselves and make sure that we are doing it as close to what you intended as possible. So even for next week, we come together for the Holy Communion. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to do it right. And also to remember the richness, the rich heritage that is being expressed through the observance of the Holy Communion so that we can come together for the glory of God and also for the blessings of each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.